again, and welcome to episode 98 of Bee Boomer Unleashed. I'm Jerry Lake, the Unleashed Baby Boomer, and I'll be your host for today's episode and all the episodes of Bee Boomer Unleashed. Today's episode, Election 2020 Aftermath. How should we react to the presidential election? Tips from the Bible. Well, before we get into today's discussion on the aftermath of the 2020 election, let me remind you, as I always do, where you can find our podcast, you can always find us at beboomerunleashed.podbean.com. You can find us on iTunes and Google Play at Be Boomer Unleashed, on iHeartRadio at B.BoomerUnleashed, on Facebook, Spotify, and Instagram, you can find our link at Be Boomer Unleashed, and you can find our link on Twitter at Be Boomer Unleash One. And as always, we encourage you to drop us an email at Be Boomer Unleashed at gmail.com. Once again, that's Be Boomer Unleashed at gmail.com. And drop us your suggestions, your comments, your criticisms, suggestions for future episodes. And as always, if you'd like to be a guest on the Bee Boomer Unleashed podcast, we'd love to have you. Tell us what you'd like to talk about, and we'll do our best to get you on the show. Well, today we want to talk a little bit about the aftermath of the 2020 election. I guess really and truly we honestly don't know who the president is going to be just yet. Uh, And there are people on both sides of the aisle aggravated about this. The Republicans and conservatives uh, are aggravated because they feel that the Democrats stole the election. They feel that Joe Biden uh, was not the winner, that uh, there was some cheating going on, and they're going to great lengths to try to prove that. So you've got that side that's aggravated because they feel that the Democrats stole the election. Then you've got the other side of the coin that are aggravated because Trump won't concede. President Trump won't concede the election and accept defeat. So you've got both sides. Approximately 50% of the country feels one way. Approximately 50% feels the other way. And there's a, a fallout from that that, you know, we've just been through four years. We've just been through four years of attack on the president. And then all of a sudden, now that the other side has won, the socialists, uh, the Democrat Party has won, all of a sudden they want us to join hands and sing Kumbaya. And uh, so what we want to talk about a little bit today is the aftermath of that election and the effect that it's going to have on our country. Now, folks, I will tell you, I have good friends on both sides of the issue. And I'm not going to break a friendship over somebody over politics. And you say, well, this is an important thing. Yeah, it's important. It's really important. I don't mind telling you, I voted for Donald Trump. I thought he'd done a good job for the last four years by himself, by the way, without any help even from his own Republican Party. But uh, I'm, I'm not going to break fellowship or friendship just because one of my friends voted for Joe Biden. I'm not going to do that. But uh, I want to discuss some of that reaction today and get a few tips from the Bible to see what the Bible has to say about this. A good friend of mine, Anthony Adkins, wrote an essay that he published on Facebook, and I asked Anthony if I could share this 
essay on my podcast today? And he said, yes, certainly. I was more than welcome to do that. Now, Anthony is a nurse. He has uh, practiced his nursing skill all through this COVID pandemic. When my heart blew up on May the 3rd, Anthony actually saved my life. Uh, He was uh, there, Johnny, on the spot when I was uh, still at church. We were live streaming the church service. He hooked me up to um, his Apple Watch that had an EKG on it, and he knew right away that something wasn't right, and he called an ambulance. And they brought an ambulance out and took me to the hospital. So Anthony, I guess, really saved my life on that day, and I, I will be eternally grateful for that. And uh, But Anthony's a, a bright young man, and he wrote an essay that I would like to share with you, and I'm going to read it in its entirety. And it's entitled, Being Thankful in Dark Times. Being Thankful in Dark Times. Anthony says, I'm not for sure about you. But for me, 2020 has not left a good impression. In fact, you may say, how on this Thanksgiving can we be joyful when there is so much darkness and disease in the world? Well, God reminded me of a book that he gave for just this type of time, the minor prophet book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk was God's man living in an age where sin was rampant and his prayers seemed to fall on deaf ears. He opens the book with this, O Lord, how long shall I cry and thou wilt not hear? Do you ever feel like this? Do you ever feel like God doesn't hear or answer your prayers? Well, never forget what the book of Psalms teaches us in chapter 15, verse 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. God answers Habakkuk in a way that he didn't expect. God said, Behold ye among the heathen, and regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days, which ye will not believe, though it be told you. God is saying to Habakkuk, My plans are too vast for you to understand, and though I will explain all, it will still be too complicated for you to believe. He continues by saying that he would raise up an evil pagan nation to bring judgment to his people. And though Habakkuk pleaded with God to deal with his judgment on nations more evil than this, God had allowed his children's sin to linger for too long. Even today, if we as God's own live in sin, we hurt the testimony of God. Christians dwelling in sin display to others that we really don't believe God's word. Besides, God doesn't compare sin the way we do. He doesn't look at one group and say that they are worse than another. All sin is an abomination to God. As Christians, we need to constantly be asking ourselves what sin in our life is separating us from God and then repent and give that sin to God. It is impossible to have full peace and joy as a child of God while we continue in even the smallest sin. Remember God's word to James? 
Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Pray to God to search you and help you find those blind spots keeping you from a pure heart. You may ask, how does this lead to joy and thanksgiving as a follower of Jesus? Well, like Habakkuk, who finally understood God, he realized that God's ways and thoughts are higher than ours. In Isaiah 55, verse 9, you can find that. He realized that God's word shall accomplish that which he pleases and will prosper in the thing whereto he sent it. Isaiah 55, 11. So Habakkuk decided to stop pouting and worrying about all the dark things happening around him and listen to God. In other words, Habakkuk changed his sorrow to being satisfied in God's perfect but often perplexing ways. This is a choice we too have to make daily, either to trust in God or trust in our circumstances. God responded with having Habakkuk write his own words down for generations to learn from, and one of the first words he was asked to write are repeated three times in the New Testament. The just shall live by faith. These amazing words of God can help us be joyful in dark times, especially if we can apply them to our daily life. Living by faith means trusting God, not by what we see or what we sense, but by His promises. God's Word is full of wonderful promises. Do we know them? We ought to know them in these dark days and hold on to them with all we have because without them, we have nothing to anchor our hope and happiness on. Just as God promised the faithful remnant of Israel that held strong in those dark days, He promises us the same, which is thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give us an unexpected end. What is that unexpected end? Well, for the saints of God, an eternity in heaven with Him. We should never forget that God promises to love us unconditionally and shows us new mercies every day. He also knows us intimately and desires fellowship with us. He promises that no matter how dark things seem, He will never leave us nor forsake us. That our prayers are always heard and our needs are always met. These few promises alone should be enough. But God's Word is saturated with so many more. His promises are so numerous that they are hard to count. But one author, Everett Storms, counted 7,487 promises from God to man. So even in these dark and troublesome days, we are truly a blessed people with much to be thankful for, and God is truly worthy of all praise. Habakkuk finally understood this and praised God in spite of his circumstances and emotions. He closes his writings with, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat, 
The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hind's feet, and he will make me walk upon my high places. Happy Thanksgiving 2020, and God bless. That for my friend Anthony Adkins, and some good words they are to think about. You know, a lot of people have their mind on a lot of things today. They're concerned about the election. They're concerned about what will a socialist administration be like? You know, the uh, Democrats have already promised that, you know, they're probably going to lock this country down again. They're coming for your guns. Uh, they've talked about uh, doing away with currency and going strictly to a digital economy. Uh, they've talked about the government even taking ownership of some patents that companies uh, paid for years ago, and especially uh, in some of the medical fields, and they'll just uh, take those patents and, and uh, use those the way they see fit. So a lot of people are concerned about that. A lot of people are concerned about that. But, you know, if we uh, who are Christians earnestly believe what God says in His Word, then we shouldn't be fretting about an election. We shouldn't be fretting about the economy. We shouldn't be fretting about you know, uh, this one or that one or this thing or that thing or, you know, what happens when, you know, they come and take our guns? What happens when they do this? What We shouldn't be fretting about that because if we really believe what God says in His Word, listen, God is in control. If we believe John 3.16, if we believe that uh, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life, then we also have to believe the rest of the Bible. We can't just cut out that part which we don't want to believe and make it true. If God says it, that settles it. You know, I've heard many times people say, well, God said it and I believe it and that settles it. Well, it doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. If God says it, it's settled. I'm going to read a couple of verses to you here. Read a couple of verses to you, and you tell me if they're in conflict with each other. I don't believe they are, because I'm going to show you how they are in context. In the book of Acts, chapter 5, and in verse 29, says, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Hold your place there, and let's go to Romans chapter 13, the book of Romans chapter 13. See what God's Word has to say here. In the first verse, chapter 13 of Romans, verse 1, it says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Powers that be are ordained of God. Wow. 
He says, Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. So he says that we're supposed to be in subject to those in the rule over us. As Christians, we're supposed to do that. And you say, well, Jesus didn't obey the government. Yeah, he did. Jesus paid taxes. Jesus, uh, somebody asked Jesus if, uh, if it was lawful to pay tribute. And he said, whose picture's on that coin? And they said, well, it's Caesar's. And he said, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's and unto God that which is God. When Jesus was tried, the kangaroo court that he was tried in, and uh, they uh, brought all these accusations against Jesus, did he protest? No. He stood there and took it like a man. So what are Christians supposed to do? Which do you believe? Do you obey God rather than man? Or are we in subject to the higher powers? Which is it? Well, let's go back to uh, Acts chapter 5, and let's go back to about verse 17. Verse 29 says we ought to obey God rather than men. Let's back up to Acts chapter 5 and verse 17, and we'll read this verse in context. Verse 17 says, Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles, and put them in common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Now, why were the apostles in jail? You know why? Because they were telling folks about Jesus. They were witnessing. They were preaching God's word. And they didn't like it. And they threw them in jail. So in the middle of the night, an angel comes, opens the jail doors, and he says, Hey, You guys need to be out here preaching in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came, and they that were with him, and called the council together and all the senate of the children of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and found them not in prison, they returned and told saying, The prison truly found we shut with all safety, and the keeper standing without before the doors. But when we had opened, we found no man within. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then went forth the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. And when they brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them. Now here's the high priest's big question. This is a religious leader. This guy was not supposed to be the opposition. Got a lot of religious leaders in opposition to Christianity today. Did you know that? But he said to them, Did not we straightly command you that she should not teach in his name? Hey, we told you not to teach in his name, and things would be okay. And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then 
Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. So why were they disobeying government rule? Because government rule superseded what thus saith the Lord. And I believe we have a moral obligation and a moral right to disobey the laws of the land when they are contrary to God's Word. In other words, if the state said, you can no longer have church, we're going to abolish all churches, then we might have to go underground, but we're still going to meet. You can't tell people about Jesus. Well, guess what? We as Christians still need to tell people about Jesus, regardless of what the government says. Government says you've got to you've got to put your stamp of approval on abortion, the the practice of butchering babies. Well, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. You know, you've got to put your stamp of approval on pedophilia. You've got to do that. You've got to embrace these people if you're going to uh, act like a church. No, we're not going to do that. It's not going to happen. Remember Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Nebuchadnezzar told them to bow down, and they refused to do it. Well, Daniel got thrown in a den full of lions, and the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, got thrown in a fiery furnace, and Jesus was in there to help them and to comfort them. But they said, even if Jesus doesn't, even if God doesn't deliver us from this fiery furnace, we're not going to bow down and worship your idols. At some point, somebody will try to establish a state religion. And when they do, that's going to be the only pretext. Well, that couldn't happen in America. Well, they didn't think it could happen in Russia. They didn't think it could happen in the other uh, European communist bloc countries, but it did. It did. So that could happen to us. So do Romans 13, 1, about being subject to the higher powers and... Acts 5.29, are they in conflict? Are they in conflict? Do they contradict each other? Absolutely not. We're to obey the laws of the land as long as they don't violate God's Word. A lot of people have got their hackles up about having to wear masks. Hey, I don't like to wear a mask. But I do it because, number one, I can't find anywhere in God's Word where it says, thou shalt not wear a mask. And number two... Even though I don't think masks are particularly effective against the spread of COVID, heard a good analogy of that the other day. Somebody said, you know, stopping COVID with one of those 59-cent masks is like trying to keep mosquitoes out with a chain-link fence. And that's a pretty good analogy. But I'm going to wear that mask because when I don't, it makes some people uncomfortable. And as a child of God, why would I want to do that? I'm not going to die on the mask hill. (laughs) I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to die on the social distancing hill. I'm not going to do that. I will die when government edict tries to supersede God's word. That's where I'll draw the line. You know, there have been many Christians that have been assassinated, been martyred, over the years for failure to renounce Jesus Christ. And there may come a day in this country, you know, when the socialists are running the government 
And, you know, socialism is just one step from communism. So that when that happens, you know, there may come a time in our lifetime, at least in our kids' and our grandkids' lifetime, where you may have the option to save your life and denounce Jesus or pronounce and proclaim your faith in Jesus and die a horrible death. Well, I hope that if that decision is ever posed to me, that I'll be singing uh, uh, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, and just a closer walk with thee when they lop my head off. Because I am not going to bow down to the government when the government tries to supersede God's Word. And, you know, we've got lots to be thankful for. Why shouldn't we get down? Why shouldn't we be burdened with this? Let's look in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 to 15, and we'll kind of wrap it up after this verse. In Paul's letter to the Philippians, he says in verse 13 of chapter 3, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect or mature be thus minded, and if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this to you. Paul says, I press toward the mark for the prize. You know, there's a prize that awaits us. And Christians, you've got to understand, this is not our home. We're just pilgrims passing through. And if God decides to give us the, uh, a socialist regime to take over this country. You know what? He's in charge. But he's still in control. He's in charge of my life. And if you're born again, if you're a born-again believer, if you've received Jesus as your personal Savior, he's in charge of your life too, and you know what? He'll take care of us. Now, there might be some uncomfortable times that we have to go through. But we should be rejoicing in the fact that the more of this kind of stuff we see, the more I feel that Jesus is coming soon. It could be today, folks. It might be a year from now. It might be five years from now. It might be ten years from now. But I think he's coming soon. I think he's coming very soon, and I'm excited about that. So instead of worrying about the election, instead of worrying about wearing masks, instead of worrying about social distancing, instead of worrying about the Democrats stealing the election, instead of worrying about all that stuff, we need to be concerned about telling people about Jesus because I don't think there's much time left. I really don't think we have much time left. If you're here today listening to this podcast and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, today's the day that you ought to take care of that. Today's the day you ought to take care of that. John 3.16 said, God loved you. God loved you so much that he gave his son Jesus to die for you. His word says that all of us are sinners. But he also says, if we ask him to forgive us our sins, he will do that. All you got to do is say, hey, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I've messed up. Come into my heart and save me. And you know what? He will. You don't have to join a church. You don't have to give money. Salvation is a free gift. A free gift. Well, we're going to stop there right now. And next week, we might know who the president is. 
if not, maybe we'll find out the week after that. But I hope each of you had a great Thanksgiving and understand we have lots and lots and lots to be thankful for. And quit fretting. You know, you know who Eeyore is, don't you? On Winnie the Pooh, Eeyore, the sad-faced Eeyore. Oh, woe is me. We ought to be bouncing around like Tigger right now instead of moping around like Eeyore because we have much to be thankful for, have much to be thankful for. The United States of America is still the greatest country on the face of the earth, regardless who the president is. And we just need to pray for our national leaders. I'm praying that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris get a good dose of Jesus. That's what I'm praying for. Wouldn't it be wonderful if Jesus saved them? Wouldn't that be a great thing? Well, we need to pray for our country because we are in a turmoil. We need to pray for each other. We need not to fuss and fight and fume over politics. We need to just accept it for what it is and understand that Jesus is in control. Well, it's been great to be with you this week. I've enjoyed uh, spending time with you again. Uh, Next week, we'll be back again. I'm not sure what the subject is going to be next Monday. Uh, We might still be talking about the election or we might be talking about holiday traditions or, you know, we might be talking about uh, uh, Christmas projects and what we can do to help others and be a service to others. Well, listen, God bless you folks. I look forward to meeting you again right here at the same time next week. But until then, I want you to have a great week and may God bless each and every one of you. Goodbye. Goodbye.